Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the M&R Show. I'm Ronald. And I'm Malcolm. Hey, guys, before we start the show, I'd like to really introduce myself. Uh, I'm Malcolm Napier. I'm a senior at Radford, and I'm studying sports administration. This is something I always wanted to do. So stay tuned as we have a journey trying to get better and better with this show and give y'all some very good content. Yes, and I am Ronald Harrod Jr. I am also a sport administration major. I'm from Washington, D.C. I'm 19 years old, and I've had a, a passion in sports since I was probably eight years old. One of the biggest reasons why I'm interested in sports is because of my dad. He really, like, pushed sports upon me upon a very young age, not even playing but watching and, like, reviewing, looking at play-by-plays, statistics, and stuff like that. But now that we, te- now that we said some things about ourselves, we're going to get into the show. So our first topic of the day is, should running backs be paid? Now, before you go, Malcolm, I want to tell you the five running back contracts, the top five running back contracts, which are Ezekiel Elliott, who is seventh in the league in rushing, Todd Gurley, who's right now not in the top 15 in rushing and has an injured knee, as we all know, a chronic knee injury. Then we have Le'Veon Bell, who is not in the top 15 in rushing, and his team has two wins. We also Then we have David Johnson, who's not in the top 20 in rushing, and his team has been playing better of late, but... Is mostly since his new running back, since, a new, since they traded for the new running back, Kenyon Drake came on the team. And then finally, Devontae Freeman, whose team has two wins and is also not in the top 20 in rushing. Um, I understand what you're saying about the running backs. And, I mean, there's a lot to be said about each player and their situations, including with uh, you have Le'Veon Bell and his situation with the Jets, a – he didn't have his quarterback for the whole entire year. Uh, for, you said, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Zeke. Yeah, Zeke, Gurley. And Gurley has, has had, you know, his problems, I understand. But he is top 10 still in touchdowns for a running back. He has six touchdowns right now. And that's not including the receiving touchdowns that he have. But I understand that he's took a dip. But you got to understand that the offensive line that, you know, that the Rams have is one of the worst from the PRR rankings. So there's a lot of stuff to factor into the reason why that Todd Gurley's been having a good time, a bad time. But let's move on from that. I could show you about these running backs that you haven't said that are actually doing good. And I believe that with another contract, they will still maintain their level of production. Um, one is Zeke, who already has his contract. With Zeke, He's a very good player, and the Cowboys need him. This is the reason why the Cowboys are even relevant, to be honest with you, uh, is because of the running game that Zeke brings. Tony Romo did not have a running game when he was in Dallas, and they struggled with that. But now you have a running game in Zeke in Ezekiel Elliott who continuously gives you over 1,000 yards rushing. And he's the main reason why they stay afloat every single year. Another thing is Fournette. The Jacksonville Jaguars are four and five, and they don't have their starting quarterback in Nick Foles. And as you can say, like, man, what in the world is keeping the Jacksonville Jaguars afloat? 
is Leonard Fournette, who is top five in NFL in rushing. They are a run-first team, and they play defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the crazy part is that you give Fournette the ball, he's going to keep on running it. He's going to wear down his defense, wear down his defense, which provides opportunities for quarterbacks like, you know, like Minshew, who was a rookie, and he's not very experienced. It gives him very good opportunities. Uh, another one, McCaffrey. McCaffrey arguably is top three CMC. in MVP and uh, voting. And the stuff that he does is just amazing. Like, over almost 1,000 yards already in rushing. He has over 11 touchdowns in just rushing. And he's been carrying his team without Cam Newton to the point where they have reports talking about how Panthers are not um, betting on taking Cam back next year. So it's crazy. There's a lot of stuff going on, and they bring Kyle Allen to the fold. So you're going to really need a running game like Christian McCaffrey to actually help you out. Uh, another thing is Derrick Henry. I know a lot of people saying, well, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. But he is top five in rushing, too. Um, the reason why that the Tennessee Titans stay afloat, the reason why they beat the Kansas City Chiefs last, uh, the last game is because of Derrick Henry running the football. Now, Derrick Henry is 6'4 and almost 265 pounds. Like, he's real big, and he's carrying this team. And it shows that a lot of these teams who are really successful or who are able to maintain a float, even though they have a lot of weaknesses on the field, they have a running game. And I'm just saying you have to pay the running back to help keep your team afloat. You worry about the quarterback later, but you start with the running the running game. Yeah, and well, the biggest thing about to me about paying running backs, well, paying running backs to me is just something that I don't think if I was a GM that I would necessarily do. And it's not because I don't think the running back position is important. I just think on the offense, your most important things are for one, the quarterback. For two, left tackle. For three, wide receiver. And four really is either your right tackle or your left guard. So now we're to the fifth position, the fifth most important position on offense. And we're just getting to running back. Last weekend, we saw Saquon Barkley, most generational talent. He's running for 2.5 yards per carry. And you're like, man, Saquon, Saquon's, you know, the most generational talent. He's the best running we've ever seen. But who's more important, Saquon or the Giants offensive line? Can Saquon run without an offensive line? No. So who's more important really to that team, the offensive line or Saquon Barkley? Now, let's get into Ezekiel Elliott. I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, but Zeke, Zeke really, it seems, has lost some burst. I have some statistics about his, you know, his fastest time that he's clocked in. His rookie season, he hit 22 miles per hour. His second season, he hit 21 miles per hour. And his third season, he hit 21 miles per hour again. And now his fourth season, he has hit 19 miles per hour. So you see a steady decline in his top speed. So he's losing a step. He also, every, every year he's been in the league, has led the league in rushing or yards per game. So now he's seventh in the league in rushing, which is not bad. But clearly, it's not as good as it's been previous years. Now, for, actually, I'm not even going to talk about Gurley. Let's go to, let's go to Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell used to be an animal in Pittsburgh with the volume, the catching, the running. But this year, not that it's all his fault, but he's not even top 20 in rushing. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry, 
Four yards per carry is not good in the NFL anymore. 4.5 or above is considered, okay, this is a good yards per carry. He hasn't even hit four yards per carry this season. And his team has two wins. And the two wins, he was not really a big factor in those wins. It really was because Sam Donald just basically got hot and the Jets defense could force turnovers. And David Johnson. David Johnson was one of the people I even drafted on fantasy. That was my number one pick on fantasy. He's been the biggest disappointment in fantasy football. Let's go. Let's start off with that for one. That's my number one pick. This guy at first started off hot, doing good, doing good, mostly with catching, not mainly with rushing, even though he's 6'2". So he's supposed to be a big back that can rush. And you have a good offensive-minded coach in Kingsbury, even though he's very pass-happy. But it still should fit Dave Johnson's skill set because he's a very good receiver and runner. But right now, ever since he's been injured, he hasn't even been the number one running back on his team. Kenyon Drake is getting the most touches because David Johnson last week had six touches and you fumbled one. You David Johnson is getting is the fourth highest paid third third highest paid running back, but it's only is the second highest in touches the last weeks on his own team. Like, what are we going to do about that? You you've, you've you've gotten paid and you've gotten significantly worse and injured. And of course, Devontae Freeman. I love the aggression that Devontae Freeman runs with, man. But Devontae Freeman is hurt every two weeks. We talk about ankle injuries, wrist injuries, hamstrings. He's always injured. And, of course, last week he got injured again, and now they're saying he's out possibly two weeks after a bye week. So you come back from a bye week, you got the rest, and you still somehow get injured. Now, but I do know that Malcolm brought up Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and, of course, CMC. So these players actually, I think, represent some of these other top five players that we've been talking about. Now, for let's start with Christian McCaffrey, who's looking like a, who's definitely a top five MVP candidate. But Christian McCaffrey right now is looking like the old Le'Veon Bell. So we've seen this model before. We've literally seen this model before. Oh, a receiver that can hit the, hit hit deep. Oh, he can also play receiver. Oh, that literally was Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. So we've seen this model. They both they both aren't speedy guys. Christian McCaffrey ran four five. Le'Veon ran four six. So they're both not big speedy guys. They have dissimilar games. So we've seen this model before of once you pay this guy, what he'll do. Then let's go to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was like the old David Johnson. People are like David Johnson. Dave Johnson wasn't that good. Dave Johnson had a thousand and eight hundred season. He almost he almost did the Marshall Falk of a thousand yards rushing and thousand yards receiving. So people that, that's thinking that clearly they have not done the research. So Dalvin Cook right now leads the league in all in all purpose yards, which means receiving and rushing combined. He leads the league in all purpose yards. And then let's go to Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry. They're basically looking like the old, really, uh, the old Ezekiel Elliott. Like, they're both top five in rushing right now, but they both aren't scoring that much, especially Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, I think, has two TDs on the season. He had one last week. I'm not sure if he scored last week, but two weeks ago, he only had one touchdown on the season, which was, that was Zeke's only problem in the NFL, is that he would get a chunk of yards, chunk of yards, but he only scoring six touchdowns. So, right now, it's looking like, that these running backs are doing good. I love watching these players. But we've seen the model of these players do good early. Then when they get their second contract, like the, top, like the top five players that we talked about, that they somehow just fall off via injury or they lose a step or something like that. I mean, uh, nah, I can't, I can't, can't actually give you credit for saying stuff like that. <laughs> because, one, there are a lot of instances with Le'Veon Bell and Christian McCaffrey, you can't compare those two because those are two 
different players. They have the same qualities, but they're different. Christian McCaffrey does not have an Antonio Brown. Christian McCaffrey does not have a Juju Smith-Schuster. Christian McCaffrey does not have a Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the ball. Christian McCaffrey has a Cal Allen who has been playing good, so I can't say really a lot, but he is not Ben Roethlisberger. And the receivers that they have, they are definitely, definitely not Antonio Brown or can even come close to it. And you just... To see the production that Chris McCaffrey is doing, to have the Panthers over 500 is amazing. You talk about Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell has been on the Jets. Yeah. The Jets with Sam Darter barely played. And when he played, he threw nine interceptions in the last three weeks. I want to make sure you understand that. Nine interceptions, all right? So there's a lot of stuff that, you, you know, that you, you're saying that you're not giving the full, the full everything to. And then there's – Recent running backs that have been resi- uh, that has been resigned. You have LaShawn McCoy who's been resigned and he's had production. You know, as okay. of late, you know he's getting old. Uh, you have Derrick Henry who signed his little his contract. He's been doing good. You have Adrian Peterson who's still doing good right now. Who's signed multiple contracts. Okay. Um, Darren Sproles who's been from the Saints, the Eagles, the Chargers, and he's been solid. And you have DeMarco Murray, you know, after his 2,000 yards, he went down a little bit, but he still went to 1,000 yards with yeah. Tennessee. Then you got Marshawn Lynch, who has – we got to say about Marshawn Lynch. Beast. He, he's a beast. All right? And then you have Frank Gore, who has who's in the top five Frank. NFL history in rushing. All right? So there's a lot of running backs that, you know, that people have resigned and have had level condu- uh, production. But as you can see with all these players – they had run first teams, all right? And with Todd Gurley's situation, you have a pass happy in Sean McVay. But at the end of the day, you know, Todd Gurley is still the focal point of the offense. It makes the offense run. You have Zeke when they're trying to make it as a pass happy, but, you know, still the focal offense. With Dalvin Cook, even though Kirk Cousins is 10 top 10 in passing yards, Kirk Cousins can't do nothing without play action. That's where he's good at. And you need to have a good run game to even do the play action. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you got to say, Ron, because, you know, your Cowboys ain't really that good. And, you know, they need Zeke to help them out. That's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. Just saying, bye. Hey, well, those are great arguments. Frank Gore and AP, unarguable. Marshall Lynch, unarguable. But... These running backs are not this generation of running backs. Mm. Frank Gore somehow is still kicking and looking decent at how does Frank Gore? Frank Gore's been, been in the league longer than I've been even watching football over ten to over fifteen years, and Frank Gore still has. I mean, he's not he don't have the burst, but he can still get in the end zone somehow. Frank Gore still get in the end zone. Adrian Peterson can't catch a lick, but has lasted what 14, 15 years in the league. Mm-hmm. One of the best rushers of our generation. So those are unarguable players. But CMC. I love you, but we're gonna have to wait and see on that one. But right now we're gonna we're gonna move to our next topic. All right, <laughs> we're gonna move to our next topic on who do you think is coming out of the NFC after the 49ers lost this weekend? Oh me, still the 49ers. Like I mean, I understand it was a very good game. Uh, that was a tough game against Seattle. You know, it wasn't a blowout and it wasn't a bad loss. They were the 49ers only lost by three in overtime at home. Without Emmanuel Setters, who is their number one receiver, without their number one tight end in George Kittle, you know their offensive line has just got back together after their tackle's been out for quite some while. Got hurt again. Yeah, so you know, 
They had a lot of stuff going on. But at the end of the day, they only lost by three to the heroics. They only lost by the heroics of Russell Wilson. And I want to make sure you understand, that defense of 49ers is good, all right? And you still have a talented squad on defense and on offense. You're still loaded, even though I need Jimmy Garoppolo to play a lot better than he did, even though yeah. there's excuses to be made. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want to win, you got to win. You know what I'm saying? You can't have all these excuses. But I'm going to have the excuse for him. I'm going to make sure you understand. The 49ers is still the best team in the NFC. So what about you, man? What do you think? Man, well, first I want to start the crowd off with we, people need to calm down on Jimmy G. He did have a bad game. He did look a little flustered, but everyone looks flustered every once in a while. And people have to understand that Jimmy Garoppolo is 16-3 and as a starter in the NFL. It's crazy. 16-3. and And has played the same number of games as Sam Donald. And we've seen how Sam Donald's played. And Jets defense is not scrubs. They have players on the Jets defense. So that's not saying oh, the San Francisco defense. Jets defense is not bad. They might look bad because you're throwing nine picks and they're getting put in bad situations. Yeah. But they're not bad. And then he's only played he's played three less games than Baker Mayfield. Yes. Baker League's league Baker is tied for the league lead in turnovers. So these are the people he's played the same amount of games as. So based on the number of games he's played, I think he's the, he's been the best quarterback we've seen. He he did sit for a couple years, so we have to of course count for that his age. He also has missed a season via injury. But regardless of those different things, he's still only played 19 games and has won 16 of them. So, personally, I think there's three teams, three to four teams that can come out of the NFC. I'm going to talk to you about those teams because the NFC is stacked this year. I think whoever comes out of the NFC will most likely win the Super Bowl. That's correct. So, of course, I've said San Francisco. And then, of course, my number two team is the Dallas Cowboys. Now. Oh, God. Now, Malcolm, I'm okay, let's get into this. Let's go to my favorite quarterback in the league right now, Dakota Prescott. So, <laughs> this guy that, that, that has had this narrative, oh, he needs Zeke. Uh, he needs the defense and all this thing. Right now, is number one in QBR in the NFL. Not two, not three, but number one in the QB in QBR in the NFL over Russell Wilson, over everyone's favorite quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, over Deshaun Watson, over Lamar Jackson. All these quarterbacks, he's number one right now. He's also number two in passing yards. He's tied for third right now in the NFL with passing touchdowns, and he also has three rushing touchdowns. Now, of course, everyone knows the Cowboys has their weaknesses. Their biggest weakness is their coach, Jason Garrett. And we've seen on Sunday when they, when they called two runs and then a pass to Ezekiel Elliott after only having 40 yards amassed throughout the game. So we also know they have that weakness in there, but every team has a weakness. Also, we can see that their defense can be beat, can clearly be beat rushing. So, But, again, every team has a defense. Now for my third team. I think Seattle can come out of the NFC as well. And I'm only believing in Seattle because of Russell Wilson. That is the only reason. Seattle, I mean, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and Bobby Wagner. Those three things, I'm just going to have to put my faith in those things. I would not bet against Russell Wilson. If it's the season he's having now, he's literally carrying Seattle right now. You've seen that he's beat Seattle. I mean, wow, that he's beat the 49ers. And I just think Russell Wilson is playing on an MVP level right now. And my second team, I mean, my last team that I want to talk about right now is I feel like the, the New Orleans Saints. I was going to say Green Bay, but Green Bay's defense has been looking terrible the last couple of weeks. So we're going to go to New Orleans, who did have a stinker last week. But every team has a stinker every once in a while, of course. But New Orleans' defense 
has looked amazing this year. And they did lose last week, but their best corner and a Pro Bowl corner this, this year, Marshall Lattimore, did leave in the first quarter. So we do have to understand that as well. But their pass rush this year, Cam Jordan has been looking amazing on the edge. Their rookie D tackle has looked amazing. Linebackers. Their safety, who made a blunder in the NFC, the NFC Divisional Round, is now look is now back and is looking great with a lot of confidence. And of course, Drew Brees hasn't looked himself all this season, but it's Drew Brees and their playoffs, we know he's gonna turn it up. Alvin Kamara, we know he's gonna turn it up. And Michael Thomas right now is on a historic pace. And I mean historic. He's had, he's had the most catches through nine games in NFL history. So he's on a historic pace right now. And he's doing this with first, Jerez has missed games. He did this with Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback. So people keep talking about all these other receivers. Right now, we have to look at Michael Thomas right now as, number, as a number one receiver in the NFL, just based on the historic pace that he's on. Do you have anything to add to that, Mom? Oh, yeah. I have something that – yes, I have something to add. One, you can't just say all these good teams and put the Cowboys in. Of course we can. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. No, of no, no. Of course we can. Let's, let's look – at their records against, you know, over 500 people. Let me see. Let's look. Um, One, they played the Saints. Wait, was Teddy Bridgewater playing that game? Yes, he was. Teddy Bridgewater has played play, play good. They lost. Uh, The second team they played with 500. They played the the Packers? Played the Packers. What was the score? They lost. All right. Uh, The, the next one. Um, Who else they played? They lost to the Jets. Who lost to Miami? Another one. The Eagles. They beat the Eagles, which is good, but the Eagles had a losing record at the time. By 27. But next, that doesn't even matter. That doesn't even matter. Never matter, but back. Hold on. The Vikings, who they played with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Let me tell you about Kirk Cousins. Let me tell you, because I'm a Redskins fan. Kirk Cousins has finally won a game in primetime. He's won, finally won a primetime game. And you know who he had to play against? The Cowboys, who don't know how to win in primetime. So you're you gonna bring the Cowboys in the top against the Saints, the 49ers in Seattle? Come on, I don't understand all these Cowboys fans. They <laughs> y'all just so you know happy about the Cowboys when they win a little games. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Hey, I mean, all I have to say about the Cowboys right now. Again, we said what Dak's doing. We did lose to Kirk Cousins last week, but he wasn't the reason why they won. We saw what Dalvin Cook was doing. They gave Dalvin Cook the ball over 30 times. As in, Kirk Cousins, please don't throw the ball. That's basically what was going on. Please don't throw the ball. Then we talk about Seattle. We beat Seattle in the playoffs last year. Who's Seattle at? DK, who can run three routes. He can run a fly, a post, and probably out. He can't run a slant because his route running is not good. He's just this big, speedy guy. And, of course, New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans, wait and see. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has our number. Wait and see. This is, I thought this was 2019, not 2018. But we could continue. We could continue. continue. <laughs> okay, but we are going to move on to our next topic. On is Russell Wilson the front runner for the MVP? And you know, I was listening to this, you know, I was having an argument with my boy Mont uh earlier today about this. And, you know, he was talking about Russell Wilson, how Russell Wilson, you know, he's He's done a, some good things, you know, heroics, I understand, you know, you can, very good. But something that I think who should be the front runner is Lamar Jackson. All right? Now we're talking about the MVP right here. All right, it's mainly based on popularity and how good you are. But Lamar Jackson, you know, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate. What he's doing this season is close to 
Michael Vick S. You know what I'm saying? So let's look at this. The Ravens' record is seven and two. They're first in the AFC North. All right. Uh, Lamar Jackson completed 66% of his passes, uh, throwing for over 2,036 yards. He has 15 touchdowns, five picks, and he has six rushing touchdowns. This is way past what he had last year. His his passing has been way better than last year. True. And he's box office. Everybody is coming to see Lamar Jackson. And people say, yeah, 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 you know, um, Russell Wilson, he beat San Francisco. Lamar Jackson thrashed the Patriots. Who had, what is it, the historic defense? Hey, I think everybody's forgetting that. <laughs> Lamar Jackson thrashed the Patriots. And he was doing anything, anything on the field. Nobody could not stop him. The pass game. He was doing anything on the field, and nobody can't stop him. So I just want to make sure you understand. Like, Lamar Jackson is really good. Watch out for him. He's going to win MVP, man. What about you? Okay, is, is it my turn to go, Mom? Uh, it's your turn because, I mean, I, now, I, I want you to understand that Action Jackson is box office. But to compare him to Russell Wilson is absolute blasphemy. For one now, Lamar Jackson is having a great season. But is Lamar Jackson a better runner right now or passer? We all know the answer whoa, 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 to that. Whoa, whoa, don't you say that. We all answer that. Let me tell you the quarterbacks that, he, that, that are in his lane. Okay, great runner, great passer. We have Deshaun Watson. Is he a better runner or a passer? We know the answer to that. Passer, by far. Russell Wilson, out of college, was a runner. Who's, who's a better, is he a better runner or passer right now? We all know the answer to that. Even Dak Prescott, who was supposed to be Tim Tebow in the NFL. That's what his projection was. Because he couldn't throw out of college. Is he a better runner or passer right now? We all know the answer to that. Now on to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is amazing. Russell Wilson right now is second in QBR in the NFL. Out of 100 scale, he's 70, he has a 78 out of 100. That is amazing right now. Right now, he's also number one in passing touchdowns with 23. The second is Matthew Stafford. And the third is about four to five QBs, and they have 18. So the first and third are from 23 to 18. That's what he's doing right now. And he's not even top 20 in interceptions. And last week when he threw a pick, he's giving people half hours on the sideline. Who does that? You throw a pick, you might be your teammates up. It's a nice little story. Like, they're looking like, wait, if this guy threw a pick and he's not flustered, why the heck should I be scared? If he thinks we can still win, why shouldn't I? This guy is a leader. And, I mean, we we can't talk about, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. He did beat the 49ers. They were the last undefeated team in the NFL. They do have probably the greatest office of mind right now as a head coach, Kyle Shanahan. He's the hottest coordinator, the hottest guy calling plays this season right now. So they did beat that team. They're playing great. They are, but the biggest thing I think is holding Russell Wilson back, people don't understand, is that he can be even better. They still have Marty Schottenheimer calling plays for them. People don't understand how bad Marty Schottenheimer is. Marty Schottenheimer thinks he has Mitchell Trubisky as quarterback. He's running the ball so much. They're still somehow a run-first team <coughs> with Russell Wilson at quarterback. They literally think that they have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, and they're running those type of plays. Russell Wilson has yet to even be unleashed fully. I want everyone to know that. Also, have you all realized that any receiver that Russell Wilson has works 
Who hasn't worked with Russell Wilson so far? Okay, let's talk about Tyler Lockett. Tyler, Tyler Lockett was a returner at Kansas State. He wasn't a full-time receiver. Tyler Lockett is, is, is a top-ten receiver in the NFL right now in yards and touchdowns. He's an animal at touchdowns right now. But yards, he's still top-ten. Doug Baldwin, when Doug Baldwin was in the league, Doug Baldwin was an undrafted free agent out of Stanford. Who works out of Stanford as a receiver? Like, he made Doug Baldwin work. Now Josh Gordon played last week. Josh Gordon, like, he's going to work. Their tight end, Will Disley, got hurt. People are like, man, what's he got to do without Will Disley? Who the heck was that before this season? Russ Wilson made him a household name. Anybody works with this guy. Chris Carson, seventh-round draft pick at running back. He is working. Their line still sucks. People think, oh, the rest of their line's improving. No, he's making them improve because he's running for his life. He knows how to step up and run outside the pocket. Not like Baker Mayfield where you're running right every time. But he can run up, run left, run right. Can make jukes in the pocket. He's he's just a magician. You have anything else to add to that? Oh, yeah, I got another question. One more question. So, okay. uh, who do you think will win the Super Bowl, the Patriots or the 49ers? Hmm. Right now, I would go with San Francisco. Okay, that's that's a lot, but okay. Next question. Come on. Okay, okay. Now, now we're going to move our, our next two topics onto the NBA. So, can the illustrious Boston Celtics outweigh expectations this year and actually compete for a title? Is in the conference championship at the minimum. Can they make it there? Ball sudden bite, you know what I'm saying? That's my team right there, you know, around that. I love that team. I love that team. But hey, I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna make I'm gonna be biased. But <laughs> as we can see, <laughs> there's evidence up to what I'm trying to say. The Ball Celtics are eight and one record, best in the NBA right now. The addition of Kimba has really helped. As you can see, the record that we had last year and the record have this year is way different. We lead the league in net rating with 9.4. We have three 20-point-per-game scores. And Jalen Brown is only averaging about 18 points per game. He already had 30 and 25 the last two games. So you have four almost 20-point-per-game scores. Gordon Hayward has been playing better. Jason Tatum has been playing better. Kimba has been going crazy right now, and he is a dark horse for MVP. That's another argument for another day right there. So, the wins that we pl- we we had against Mavs, beat them by 10. The Spurs beat them by 15. The Bucks, we beat them by 11. And the Raptors, we won, all right? So, it's the games that they say, you know, we, we got need, need to play somebody uh, better and stuff like that. I heard people have said that. And we played these better teams, and we just beat them. We're just blowing them out, blowing them out. We play a lot better. We play with a lot of – you know, with good chemistry. And I just love the balls of Celtics. I just love what Brad Stevens is doing with the club. And, yes, I do think that we have a chance to come out the East. I'm saying it. We have a chance to come out the East. And I want to make sure I know how Philadelphia is playing, but Philadelphia has been struggling with their shot. Milwaukee, what are they going to do without, you know, Malcolm Brogdon? Because he's been a big piece for them. So – I want to make sure y'all understand, but Boston Celtics should be the dark horse, and I think they will come out the East. Personally, I do believe Boston has a chance to come out of the East as well. Right now, Boston actually has the highest winning percentage out of any team in the NBA because they're 8-1, and one, and there are other teams with eight wins, but they have three losses, or the Lakers have two losses. So right now they have the highest percentage 
in the NF- in the NBA at eight at point eight eight nine. And in the last ten games, of course, they're eight and one. They have yet to lose at home. They've only lost one on the road, which is normal. If you're four one on the road, you're having a great season. Yeah, season opener. That was it. So right now they're extremely hot, and we can talk about cardiac Kemba. Yeah. Now, we haven't even seen Kimba with the ball late yet. We know what Kimba can do. People always want to talk about Kyrie. I always thought Kyrie and Kimba were not crazy far from each other. I mean, of course, we all know Kyrie's better. But Kimba can, skills, can still drop 35 in a playoff game. I personally believe he can do that. But the question is, will he have to do that? They still have J- Jason Tatum, who I who – has been playing great this season. Gordon Hayward has been the probably one of the biggest surprises in the NBA. People always expect you to play best, your best, your second year away from an injury. But and he's really done that. And but the biggest thing for me with Gordon Hayward is that he got hurt again. Well, he is only out six weeks. If I'm not mistaken, correct, Malcolm. Only out six weeks. Only out six weeks. Yeah. The NBA season is not that big of a deal. And with Brad Stevens, if anybody can make some wins with no with not much talent is Brad Stevens in the NBA. Yes, sir. Yes, he sir. actually probably does better with less talent than with more talent right now. That's true. And right now, Boston is just so versatile on the wing. That's the biggest thing. That right now, their their point guard is Kimba, and the playoff, which they'll probably use as their backup point guard, probably be Marcus Smart based on how good of a defender he is. So they'll probably throw him in just because they need better defense, you know, so they'll probably throw Marcus Smart in to guard people like the Beverly's that, no, have a dog in there. But right now, you have Jalen Brown, Who's six seven? That's your two. Your three or four is Jason Tatum. What is he? Six eight, six nine. He's six eight. And you know what the crazy part is? Jalen Brown's guarding the force. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is also an amazing defender. That's not. He's probably right now. His offense is almost caught up to his defense. But his defense is still his calling card right now. Yes, sir. We have Jason Tatum. We have Gordon Hayward, who's right now playing crazy out of his mind. First, Gordon Hayward is assisting great. We all know he's a good team player. That was never in question. He's, his shooting has gotten better, which has really been the thing that Boston has been waiting for him to come back to. You're shooting. Boston right now is probably the best shooting team in the NBA because right now on the floor, everyone can shoot. Your war shooter is Ennis Cantor, who everyone knows can hit a mid-range. He's one. He has a great mid-range shot. I'm pretty sure he can go to the corner and hit a shot if need be. But he's the worst you have on the floor. So he's your fifth option shooting. Your second worst shooter on the floor is Jalen Brown? I'll take that any day of the week. Jalen Brown is your fourth worst shooter on the court. So you play Philly, who is amazing defensively, who I can't wait to see that matchup. I do think it will be Philly, most likely, versus Boston. And I cannot wait. It's going to be an absolute dogfight between those teams. And Philly has length, but so does Boston. And Boston can outshoot them. But will Boston's defense be able to stop Philly getting to the cup? What do you think about that, Malcolm? Man... I just love when we talk about the Celtics because I just love it. I really love it, Ron. I tell you, Ron, I love it. Like you like to talk about your little little Cowboys. I love okay. talking about my beautiful Celtics. You know? <laughs> so it's it's the crazy part is we are top ten in defense. You know what I'm saying? So we have a top ten defense. We have a top ten offense. And Jalen Brown has been guarding the fours. He's guard Chris Stapps. All the power fours that we played against, Jalen Brown guard him. And you know who else not who else guarding power fours? Marcus Smart and Dog. Chris Stapps struggled when Marcus Smart was guarding him, Dog. and Lamarcus Aldridge struggled when Marcus Smart was guarding him. So it's just like, what's going on? We have a collection of wings 
that are very good. We're fast. We're athletic. We can run. We can shoot. We can do all this stuff. And then the crazy part is the eight, the eight game win streak is Kimball Walker's <laughs> the highest game winning streak in his career in the NBA. <laughs> That's a joke for, for Charlotte. And the crazy part is Kimba is averaging 26, and he's barely dribbling the ball. <laughs> he averaging more points than Kyrie averaged in Boston. I want to make sure you understand that. 26 points. He just had 29 last night. And he's averaging more points than Kyrie has averaged in the two years in Boston. I'm telling you, I love the Celtics. I feel like we have a good chance. And, you know, Gordon Hayward has been great for us. Actually, arguably one of our most important players. Averaging 21, 8, and 7. Just beautiful crazy. numbers. It's just crazy numbers right now. And everybody's saying, yeah, you love the Celtics. You love the Celtics too much. But I'm just showing you facts. I'm just telling you all the way it is, but That's it. Yeah, last thing I have to add about Boston, like you said, is People understand Kim is playing off ball some of the time. Gordon Hayward was leading was leading at point guard. He's bringing the ball up court, and Kim was running off a screen. Exactly. People can say Kim can't score without the ball in his hand. I said I I don't know about that. Kim is actually a great catch and shoot player. And Brad Stevens says, wait, so you can shoot off ball. You don't need the ball all the time. But if we need you in the fourth quarter, you can also get your own shot. So you're basically Brad Stevens' perfect player. You're Isaiah Thomas, but three inches to four inches taller. It's basically what you can do. That's what they're allowing him to do right now. But today, thank you all for staying this long. This is going to be our last topic for the day. But is, will injuries affect the chemistry of the Los Angeles Clippers? And Paul George does come back this Thursday. That is correct, though. Paul George does come back Thursday, which would be a very good sight for the, for the Clippers. Um, but I think that it will affect them. Because if you think about it, Paul George and Kawhi, as good as they are, as dynamic duo as they are, them making sure they create a chemistry, a bond together, and a team knowing how to work around the Clippers will actually do wonders for them in the playoffs. Because when you play some more of the experienced teams who know their roles, like in the Denver Nuggets type, or you have those little dark horses at the San Antonio Spurs, Utah Jazz, and those teams who are then used to playing with each other, it will have an effect in the playoffs, especially in the seven-game series. So I think that with Kawhi really not playing back-to-back, don't know when he's really clear to actually play because, I mean, he last year he wasn't playing yeah, back-to-back. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. We yeah, so this year, Kawhi. yeah, so I don't know what's going on with this. And then you have Paul George, who is not planning on playing back-to-backs in the first couple months. I don't know how that's going to log, too. So I just feel like a lot of low management – going on between Kawhi and uh, Paul George that it will really affect their chemistry going as of late because they wouldn't really understand how to bond together, you know, to work together, like what's good at this side of the court or yeah. all this chemistry stuff on the court. So that's why I think what's going to happen. I think it's not going to really have an effect them in the regular season, but I feel like it will have an effect with them in the playoffs. Yeah, at first I didn't think it was going to be that big of an issue because, I mean, it is Doc Rivers as a coach. If anybody can make it work, it will be Doc Rivers. But I had to think about, okay, Kawhi's, people say you know, Kawhi's the best player in the NBA right now. But like you said, Kawhi's taking a little management in October. October. He's actually taking low management in October with no injury of last season. So you're just taking, okay, I, I probably just should take this this game. So I'm like, okay, how would this affect you? How, how would this affect the team's record long term? Two, 
I'm like, okay, people saying Kawhi's the best player in the NBA, but does he make anybody better though? Is Kawhi gonna average six assists a game? Probably not. If is this weakness in Kawhi's game, it is passing. Okay, then I say, okay, does Paul George make anybody better? Also, no, he's also the weakness in his game is passing. That's it. Lou Williams, does he make anybody better? No. Does Patrick Beverly make anybody better? No. Does Montrezl Harrell make anybody better? No. So you have to tell me who is going to be the playmaker on that team. Everyone just can't be getting their own shot. You have to be, there has to be ball movement. It's very easy to guard a team that doesn't pass the ball that much. Ask the Houston Rockets have passed. When James Harden is just dribbling, dribbling, dribbling in the playoffs, how easy is that for Golden State to guard? Extremely easy. And his percentages, that's why you have seen James Harden's percentages decrease every single round of the playoffs. As good of a coach, as good as the coaches are going to get, his percentages from three and from the mid-range and at the cup will decrease each time because it's very easy to guard a team with no playmakers. So I feel like that would really hurt them. And like you're saying, they take a little management. How many games will they play together this season? 50? Is that enough to beat the Lakers when LeBron and AD seem like they've been playing together for three years now? Is that enough to beat that team? I mean, the Lakers, is that enough to beat a lot? The West is so deep right now that I wouldn't even be surprised if the Clippers somehow lost to a team based on this chemistry alone, such as Utah or Denver's been playing together for a long time. They just don't have enough maybe talent to beat the Clippers, but they've been playing together so long that they know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Let's talk about a SWAT analysis. Like, they know everything about each other, even from Jamal Murray, Gary Hayes, Jokic, Will Barton. Will Barton can get hurt, come back, start, and it'd be no problem. No one's complaining, okay, I have to go to the bench. No, this is a team effort. We know we're all going to at least play 25 minutes per game. We're, gonna, we're all going to have our time to shine. The Clippers, they know in the playoffs right now, we don't even know who's going to be the Clippers' second option. Most people think, oh, of course, it's going to be Paul George. But I've witnessed Paul George have a zero-point game in the playoffs. I've watched Lou Williams take the Warriors six. So who really who really would you all rather have as your second option in the playoffs? Lou Williams right now or Paul George? And that's just based on we can do recency bias the last four years. Who has been better in the playoffs? Lou Williams or Paul George? You have anything to add to that, Malcolm? Yeah, um, Ron, I'm not going to really go to the extent with that. I, I feel as if um, Kawhi Leonard has been a better passer over the past couple of years. Um, he's improved. Uh, he's improved a lot. And Paul George, even though I know he's a scorer, but he has become a playmaker. And so has Patrick Beverly and Louis Williams. I feel like they have a lot. I feel like they're very good on playmaking. I feel like they, they would make this thing work. I uh, just – just need to understand, like, if they need – they have to be healthy. Like, they have to be on one accord. And I feel like they should have a, more games than they're having this season, you know, because if they're trying to win a championship, especially against the L.A. Or, or beat these teams that been together in the West, I feel like they should be able to, you know, play in games to get each other so they can be able to get comfortable with each other. But don't get me wrong. The Clippers are still – are still a top contender in the whole league. So it's not like I'm just, you know, just saying that they're not. I'm just saying that, you know, upsets do happen. Yeah, that's true. And don't get me wrong. I am a I'm a Celtics fan, and I know Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers like to, you know, slip up sometimes. So, but at the end of the day, he's a very good coach, and I feel like they will have a lot of stuff going on for them. I just need them, need them to be healthy. That's it. Yeah, the last thing I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with Malcolm on that. Just – 
long as the Clippers can stay healthy, and I think that Kawhi and Paul just need to at least play 55 to 60 games together. If they go under that, I'm taking all my bets off on them. Because I don't know if that's just enough time to find each other. Even even the best players in NBA history, such as like LeBron, his first season with Miami, him and D. Wade didn't even have it. They played 70-plus games together. And those, I mean, Kawhi Ball are both probably going to go to Hall of Fame. But LeBron D. Wade, our first ballot Hall of Famers. Like, okay, is this, is this time? Put a check. No need to discuss them on everybody. They're going first ballot. So even they couldn't get it that easy. And they're both wings. D-Wade, you know, 6'4", but D-Wade could guard one through three easy. And no one ever tried D-Wade like that. So that's the last thing I had to leave y'all with. But thank you all for listening to our podcast today. Appreciate this is our, one of our first episodes. We work very hard. And thank you all for staying this long and listening. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Really do. Tune in next week. All right, tune in. See y'all.